Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Well, um, this morning, before I do that, let me just announce um, uh, very quickly that um, my workshop at 2 o'clock today is going to be focusing upon uh, one of the most essential methods you can use to learn how to study the Bible. Um, If I had to tell you one thing that you needed to do in order to dig deep in the Word of God, it is that one thing that I will share uh, today in my workshop at 2 o'clock. Also want to announce you all have seen um, uh, on your uh, programs, in your programs, uh, that Emmanuel Beck would be presenting with us. And I believe Emmanuel just arrived this morning. And so we're looking forward to Emmanuel's presentations as well. And um, uh, having said that, um, let's have a word of prayer. And we're going to get into our presentation this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please, we ask that you would speak to us today, Lord, that you would equip us to do your work and to do your will In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Part of the purpose of ARMY is not only to teach you how to study the Bible, it is also to teach you, you understand that uh, when you go out there into the real world, you are soldiers in warfare, amen? And uh, why are we soldiers? Because God has called us to spread a certain message. That message is the three angels' messages. Uh, God has not called us to fight uh, in order to win. He has called us to fight in order to win. (laughs) Let me say it again. God has not called us to fight in order to win. No, no, no. He's called us to fight in order to win. If I could say it this way, when you meet someone on the street, someone of a different denomination, a different faith, God has not called you to win an argument. He calls you to win that person. Are you following me? So what we're going to look at today, what I promised you we would, we would look at, how to witness to a Jehovah's Witness. I want you to remember that the purpose is not to win. No, it is to win. Amen? Amen. And so let me share with you, um, about two months ago, uh, I had, I I was in my house and I looked out the window and I saw my wife talking to some people. Didn't know who they were. Uh, at first, but, uh, and I didn't pay attention. I went back and was doing some things in the house. And uh, she was out there for a while, so I began to wonder, well, who is she talking to out there? What's this car doing in the driveway? And I decided to go outside, and um, as soon as my wife saw me, she said, oh, here's my husband. He's a pastor. Talk to him. And she (laughs) had to go inside, take care of the kids. And as she's walking by, she's like, don't worry. I got him good. You go finish them all. (laughs) You know, I should have said (laughs) that. 
So I went out there, and there were these two gentlemen standing there, and I'm like, okay, these are Jehovah's Witnesses. And, um, and uh, you know, I immediately began thinking, okay, I don't want to scare these people off. I don't want to, you know, tell them, you know, get out of here, and I don't want to tell them, uh, you know, I, I'm a pastor and I know my Bible, so I don't want to hear anything you have to say. I want to engage them. And so... Um, they began talking to me, hey, you know, we're just talking to your wife, and oh, she, she knows her Bible, huh? And I was like, yeah, she, <laughs> she knows her Bible. And, um, and uh, they had actually um, had been in the area before and had met another Seventh-day Adventist, someone who went to my church, who goes to my church, and uh, they said that they had uh, began studying with him, but they never got to reconnect, and he was telling them about the Sabbath, and, you know, he began sharing with me, you know, and I was trying to tell him that, you know, the Sabbath has been nailed to the cross and, you know, the, and I'm looking at him and he's probably expecting me to say, no, the Sabbath hasn't been nailed to the cross. And I was just like, really? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm just listening. Uh-huh. 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 Okay. okay. And then I said to him, well, you know, listen, um, now is not a good time, but I would really love for you guys to come back. And I'm about to share with you. How to witness to a Jehovah's Witness. I'm about to share with you. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you have ever had a Jehovah's Witness come to your door? Oh, my goodness. Oh. That's a whole other sermon right there. That's a whole other sermon right there. Anyway, so you had that Jehovah's Witness come to your door. And how many of you said, you know, no, thank you. I'm an Adventist. Okay. Whew. Good. No sermon needed. No sermon needed. Um, how many of you attempted to engage them? Wow. So what did the rest of you do? How many of you didn't answer the door? <laughs> okay. So um, how many of you attempt to engage when, when the Jehovah's Witness would come and speak to you? And uh, they begin talking to you. What is one of the first things they begin talking to you about? God. Jehovah. God and that Jesus is not God. Right? How many of you have tried to engage a Jehovah's Witness on the doctrine of the Godhead? And how many of you have ended up banging your head against the wall <laughs> in utter frustration? Okay. Let me share with you one of the most powerful ways that I have found to witness to Jehovah's Jehovah's Witnesses. <clears throat> when, they, when they came to me, I said, hey, listen, don't you guys have a prophecy about um, the second coming or about Jesus coming? Don't you guys have a prophecy that ends in the year 1914? How many of you have ever heard of that? Okay. They have a prophecy that... that um, extends from a certain period of time down to the year 1914. And, uh, and they said, yeah, 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 we have a prophecy like that. And I mean, we have that prophecy and they get really excited about that prophecy. And let me tell you why. Because their 1914 is our 1844. Now, let me ask you something. What happens if you take 1844 away from Seventh-day Adventists? Yeah, we lose our identifying mark as the what? Remnant church. Well, their identifying mark of who they are, the reason that they exist, 
is their 1914 prophecy. So I said to them, hey, listen, um, you know, you have this 1914 prophecy. That's really interesting because, you know, I'm an Adventist and we have a prophecy similar to that. We call it the 2300-day prophecy that ends in 1844. And without fail, they're like, hmm, I've never heard of that before. Or they're like, wow, that's interesting. And I'll say to them, hey, I have an idea. Why don't you share with me your 1914, and I can share with you my 1844? And oh, they jumped to that. Let me tell you why they jumped to that. Because Jehovah's Witnesses believe that they are the kings of Bible prophecy interpretation. You understand? They, they've got whole books. They've got a book on Daniel. They've got a book on Revelation. So they have whole books, of, you know, giving this interpretation of Bible prophecy. And so what you do is you do not engage them on the Godhead. Don't engage them uh, on what they think, what they really think is their strong point. They also think that prophecy is their strong point. But beloved, I'll share with you that as you begin to reveal to them some things about their own prophecies they will begin to lose confidence in what they're teaching. And so um, this, this man was very eager. Yes, I would love to do that. And I said to him, after all, you know, I mean, it's all about truth, isn't it? And I said, if you guys have truth, I want it. And this gentleman said to me, you know what, that's, look, that, that's the way we have to be, man. It's all about submitting to truth. And I said, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> you know, praise God. So come. And, th and then I said to him, hey, you guys have a book on Daniel, don't you? This is their book on Daniel. Anyone ever seen this book before? Okay. So when, when a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, number one, what are you going to do? You're going to engage them, but what are you going to ask them? Don't you guys have a prophecy that ends in 1914? I would like to know what your guys' view is on that, how you get to that, because we have something similar. So how about you, I, I can tell you what ours is, and you tell me what yours is, okay? And then I want you, what you want to do is you want to ask them for their book on Daniel, because you too have an interest in Daniel, don't you? Man, I don't, I don't know of anyone else who's written a whole book on Daniel. Can I see your book on Daniel? Beloved, once you get this book in your hand, <laughs> guard it with your dear life. <laughs> because this book is a treasure chest of error. <laughs> so, let me tell you what they will share with you once you get together. And by the way, you should be familiar with your own prophecy if you're going to. <laughs> Don't do that and be like, Pastor, tell me about the 2300 days again. Hurry up quick. Don't do that. Remember what we went over yesterday, what we've been covering? We've been covering uh, how to present the Bible in a them thematic way, how to give Bible studies through themes, remember? So you should be able to, to, to on your own, be able to explain the 2300 day prophecy in a convincing and biblical manner. So here's what they'll tell you. They will explain to you 
They come and they greet you. Hey, how you? They, won't, they will not pray with you. So, you know, you got to cut that part out. You can pray by your, on your own. They will not pray with you. Um, when they come in, they will begin to explain to you how they arrive at the year 1914. And what they do is they, they have the basis for this prophecy in the vision that was given to, or the dream that was given uh, to Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. How many of you remember that dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had where there was a tree? Remember that? And the tree was cut down. And then how many times were to pass over it? Seven times. And what would happen during that period? King Nebuchadnezzar would go crazy. And at the end of the seven years, he would be what? Restored uh, to, you know, his senses. Okay? And so they will explain to you. This is in their book now. uh, Page 95, it says this. As represented by the great tree, Nebuchadnezzar symbolized world rulership. How many of you agree with that? Yes? But remember, the tree stands for rulership, sovereignty far grander than that of of Babylon's king. It symbolizes the universal sovereignty of Jehovah, the king of the heavens, especially with respect to the earth. Before Jerusalem's destruction by the Babylonians, the kingdom centered in that city with David and his heirs on Jehovah's throne, representing God's sovereignty, sovereignty with reverence to the earth. First Chronicles 29, verse 23. God himself had such sovereignty chopped down and banded in 607 BCE when he used Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Jerusalem. Exercise of divine sovereignty toward the earth by a kingdom in the line of David was restrained for seven times. How long were these seven times? When did they begin? And when did they mark their end? Okay, that's page 95. So, notice what happens. This tree not only represents Babylon, but in a, um, in a greater sense, the tree is also said to represent Jerusalem. Wow. Wow. Now, you guys are looking at me confused, and I'm going to look at you confused just the same way. Because that's how you're probably going to look at them, but you don't want to really show that yet. (laughs) Okay? Does this tree represent Jerusalem? In a greater sort of greater sense, does it represent Jerusalem? Well, in a sort of greater sort of sense, can you see this tree representing Jerusalem in any way, shape, or form? No. Listen to what it goes on to say. If we were to count 2,520 literal days from Jerusalem, from Jerusalem's destruction in 607 B.C., that would only bring us to 600 B.C., a year having no scriptural significance. I want you to read this next sentence with me. Since the seven times are prophetic, we what? We what? Just that word. We what? One more time. We? All right. Now I want you to say it with energy and zeal. We? Very good. We must apply to the 2520 days the scriptural rule 
a day for a year. Now, you understand what that means. Seven times, if you were to take a day, you know, break that down into days, that would be 2,520 days. You get that? But now they're saying, since this is a prophecy, we, where is that found? In what book? Their book. We must apply the day for year principle. Um, this rule is set out in a prophecy regarding the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem, Ezekiel 4, 6, and 7, compared with Numbers 14, 34. And I say, hey, you guys are just like us Adventists. You believe in the day for year principle too. You even use the same verses. Wow, this is great. And man, they're excited. Thus, the seven times or 25, 20 years ended by Tishri, it should be 15, or October 4th or 5th, 1914. All right? So how do they get to the, to the year 1914? And by the way, what did they say? What happened in 1914? World War I broke out. And there is the evidence that Satan was cast out of heaven and God's kingdom began ruling on earth which the kingdom is Jehovah's Witnesses. So this is how, 19, their 1914 is our what? 1844. So here's what happens then. After they presented this, um, I said, okay, wow, that's, that's interesting. But I have a question. I just want a little bit of clarification. Can you point out to me where in this prophecy it says the tree also represents Jerusalem? And um, they'll sit and they'll, oh, well, you know, you see, in Bible prophecy, a tree may also represent, you know, trees are used in the Bible to represent nations sometimes. You know, Israel is referred to the tree sometimes. No, 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 I get that. I understand that. But can you show me where in this prophecy that this tree is said to represent Jerusalem? And then they'll, they, they, they'll take me to like somewhere in uh, Ezekiel. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I just really want to know like in the context of this prophecy, where does it say that the tree represents Jerusalem? And I say, you know, in fact, listen, I said that would, wouldn't that be similar to maybe saying that, you know how the lion in Daniel 7 represents Babylon? Well, in a greater sense, since a line is also used to represent Jesus, we might say in a greater, more symbolic sense, this lion in Daniel 7 represents Jesus. Could I do that? And they'll say, no, no. In fact, this guy, no, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, hmm, that's, that's a really good question. And, and I began to say, well, you know, you could, you could kind of see why I'd be confused about, you know, you know, I mean, I just want to know, like, if I'm going to teach, and I said this, if I'm going to teach this, I want to be able to, like, teach it, you know. But if I, you know, how do you really make that connection? I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to find that. And so you know what happened? We had to leave that. Because they, they said, well, we'll have to get back with you on that because we, we really had never been asked that before. Okay, no problem, no problem. But let's go on. So the, 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 the 25, 20, so 1914, wow, that's, that's amazing. Let me point something else out here to you. 
They say that Babylon fell, or Jerusalem fell in when? 607 B.C. If you were to go on the internet and type in the fall of Jerusalem, guess what year that you'll see? Consistently. 586 or 587 B.C. Nobody but Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jerusalem fell in 607 B.C. So even the date is totally wrong. But I don't bring that up yet. I just kind of wait. Because then I say, after they explain that, I would then ask them, well, hey, that's interesting because, and you can only do this if you have their book. So after they explain this, I said, well, you know, that's really interesting because, um, let's see here. Um, there, where are you? Okay. I then asked them, hey, listen, your 2300-day prophecy then, what do you guys think about the 2300-day prophecy or the 1260-year prophecy? What do you guys think about that? Listen to their explanation of the 2300-day prophecy. The 2300 days constitute a what? A what, everyone? What does it constitute? Hence, a prophetic year of 360 days is involved. This 2300 days then would amount to six years, four months, and 20 days. Wait a minute. I have a question. In the earlier part of your book, it said that since this was a prophetic period, we must. No, 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 that's not. We must apply what? The day for year principle. Beloved, when you look at the rest of their prophecies, the 1260 days, the 1335 days, the 1290 days, and the 2300 days, guess what they all are? A day for a day. Do you see why this book is such a goldmine? <laughs> and so I asked my, 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 my study, my, 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 the people I'm studying with, <laughs> my students. <laughs> They don't know yet. How is it that here it said that since this is a prophetic time period, you must apply, and I kind of underlined, circled, colored in, and then put a different color for each letter of the word must? <laughs> you said we must. Why don't you apply it to the 1260, the 1290, the 1335, and onward? And let me tell you why. Because, you see, all their other prophecies begin with 1914. Do you follow that? So now all their, and I want you to notice how they, they say their prophecies are fulfilled. How many of you have your book here? Okay, because this is kind of a little bit out of order on my screen here. So just notice with me. 
Okay, notice with me how to witness to Jehovah's Witnesses. I want you to notice with me on the point number two. Uh, these don't have page numbers. This is going to be towards the very end of the book, maybe about uh, 10 pages or so back from the end of the book. After the timeline, after the timeline. How to witness to Jehovah's Witnesses. And uh, I want you to notice under point three. Point three is this, the 1260-year prophecy. Here's what their book says. Jehovah's angels refer to a prophetic time period of a time, times, and a half. What did Jehovah's angel refer to? A what? Prophetic time. Are you seeing the inconsistency? It says, how long was that? For the anointed Christians, World War I meant a time of testing. By the end of 1914, they were expecting persecution. Hence, beginning in December 1914, the small band of witnesses preached in sackcloth. Mm -hmm. Harassments of God, harassment of God's anointed ones climaxed on June 21, 1918, when the president, J.F. Rutherford, and prominent members of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society were sentenced on false charges to long prison terms. Intending to change times and laws, the small horn had effectively killed the organized preaching work. Wow. Wow. And so I asked my, um, my friends, can you tell me, um, first of all, who, who is this little horn? Well, the little horn is Great Britain. Really, Great Britain. Yeah. Let me share with you that um, um, it cannot be Britain if Britain was one of the ten horns that rose out of Rome. Isn't that right? Because the little horn is said to come up after the other ten. So Britain could not possibly be the little horn. However, okay, so this little horn is Britain. Can you tell me, I said, can you tell me how this little horn sought to change times? And I remember he... You know, he uh, looked at me, and he looked at his Bible, and he looked back at me, and um, he kind of shook his head and said, that's a good question. I don't know. And, uh, you know, in that moment of silence, you know, I felt like I could have said something. But I said, let me make this moment of silence last a little bit longer. <laughs> so I kind of looked out the window and looked around a little bit. And <laughs> because I, I wanted it to sink in, you know? Yeah. I wanted them to think, you know what? What are we teaching? What are we teaching? Then I said to them, can you tell me what laws did this little horn what laws did he seek to change? Are you understanding what we're doing here? Yes. 
We're simply taking because, you know, uh, we're, we're looking at their interpretation of prophecy and asking them to explain to us. And in the meantime, when, when after every time they would have ex- finished explaining one of their prophecies, I would say, oh, because my understanding of that is this. So when we got to the 1260, I would show them the, the little horn is the papacy and 538 uh, uh, the little horn begins to dominate. And exactly 1260 years later to the T. And oh man, I'm getting excited when I'm sharing it. And then I say, so for me to give up this for what you're telling me, I mean, it's got to, you understand what I'm saying? It's got to, and they're like, no, listen, man, if I was on your side, if I was on your side of the table, I'd be looking at me like, (laughs) and I'm like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They were like, we're totally with you, man. I was like, oh my goodness, thank you, thank you, Jehovah. (laughs) Because, beloved, listen, you will not find words like those coming out of the mouths of a Jehovah's Witness. They are trained to be the teachers, so let them teach. (laughs) Let them teach. And every prophecy we went over, I would ask them, well, man, so you mean the 2300-day prophecy, uh, the, Je- the Jehovah's Witnesses re- represents a time period where they came into a happy state of existence? That's what it actually says. 2300 days. Um, we won't even go, I won't even read this. You have it, you can read it. You can see how their prophecies all apply to who? Them. So it's obvious why they cannot make the other prophecies uh, a day for a year because it would extend way into the future. And so they would say to me, well, you know, nothing happened in, in, uh, if you were to just take the, this uh, Daniel's tree as literal time, how can we say then that, you know, I mean, where, where would be the dual purpose of this prophecy? And I said, listen, I, don't, I do not know of any prophecy in the Bible, a time prophecy that is both literal and at the same time symbolic in terms of the time itself. Yeah, you can pull applications from all kinds of prophecies, but let's go back to Daniel 4 and please show me. The angel gives the interpretation. The angel says, this tree represents Nebuchadnezzar. Can you show me where else in Daniel 4 we can come to the conclusion that this tree represents something other than Nebuchadnezzar? Teach me, because I want to, if this is true, I want to teach it. And there's, you know, this, these are totally excellent questions. Uh, we're going to have to get back to you on this, but you know, we are so impressed. We've never sat down with anyone quite like you doing what you're doing. And I'm like, well, hey, I'm impressed. I've never sat down quite with anyone like you who would be willing to take the time to teach me. <laughs> At one point, they said to me, listen, listen, listen. You know, really, what does it matter if the prophecies are off because we believe that we are, we've got the message. We are that final movement. I said, that's, that's, 
Man, that's so weird because Adventists think that they have the message too. <laughs> we think we're the remnant. You know, we think we, have, we think we are the kingdom. And I said, you know what? Let me ask you something. If Jesus said that he was, the Bible prophesied that Jesus would come in a certain time. Let's say that Jesus, instead of being in the grave for uh, three days, was in the grave for eight days. What would that prove? And they said it would prove that it wasn't Jesus. I said, it was prophesied that Jesus would come at a specific time. Let's say he came three years earlier than he was prophesied to come. Or died two years later than he was prophesied to die. What would that mean? I said, let's say someone came up on the scene and said, I am Jesus. And all their, their message and everything seemed to be right on, but they did not fulfill the time element. What would that mean? You know what they said to me? It'd be false. I said, do you understand? I said, I'm kind of like, you know, like number. I'm just like a numbers guy, you know. Numbers are real important to me. And from what I'm seeing, you know, understand. And I, by this time, I had taken them through the 2300 days, showed them its relationship to the 1260 days, showed them its relationship to the, to the 70 weeks. I was like, look at this beautiful math. And they were like, yeah, we can see it. So I'm like, can you understand my dilemma in giving up what I have here for things that you don't even have history to back up? Like, were Jehovah's Witnesses really persecuted from December 1914 to June 21, 1918? Can you give me some historical evidence that England said, ban those Jehovah's Witnesses and change times and laws? Well, no, we can't really give you. I said, do you, do you see where? We see where you're coming from. We understand. Trust us. <laughs> Beloved, let me tell you, when you put, when you are able to, you know what I did with them? Exactly what we did yesterday. I showed them the big picture. And when they were able to see that big picture, not pieces here and there. Don't argue with them about the peace of the Godhead or the peace of this. Say, I want to see your big picture. Show me your big picture. And when you can begin to show that the big picture is not adding up, it's not making sense. They will be forced if they are genuine in heart. Every time these people have, we've been, guess how long we've been studying? Two months. You don't understand the miracle of that. <laughs> Two months. We have not touched the God. They tried to get to the Godhead once because they saw how dismal things were going. And I just let them talk, you know, yeah, Jesus isn't God. Okay, but about this tree again, I was just wondering. <laughs> um, you know, I just can't, I mean, you, you got to understand. See, for me, it's timing and message. Timing and message. The timing has to be on, and the message has to be on. So we, we can get to the message, but this timing thing. You understand what I'm Oh, we understand what you're saying. So let's stay there for, uh, for some time. Is that okay? Oh, yes, that's okay. <laughs> and we stay there. We stay there. Because when we get to the message, we've got to find out, well, who really has the message? Who really, you know what they said to me? They said, you know, they, he said, look, 
I need to know that what I'm preaching is truth. He said, this is why I appreciate what we're doing right now, because you're causing me to dig deeper, to search like I've never searched before. And I said, well, praise God, because uh, um, I like digging deep, too. <laughs> I like knowing that what I know is truth. And, and please understand that as I present this, I mean, if you were me, could you give up? The, I, didn't, I haven't gone that far yet. But they said it for me. I've just said, look at this picture. How can I? You're asking me to trade what I have for what you have. You know, and to me, if you're going to be an end time movement and 90% of your prophecies are wrong, uh, man, no, trust me, I totally, hey, if I, was, if I were you right now, I'd be looking at me like this. <laughs> I was like, praise God. All right, so, how much time do I have? 10 minutes? Okay. When a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, what are you going to do? You're going to be nice. What are you going to ask them? You guys have a 1914 prophecy, don't you? I would like to hear from you. So you're not lying. You've heard it before. But I want to hear it from you. So every Jehovah's Witness that comes to your door, you can say the same thing. I've never heard it before from you. Can I hear it from you? I want to hear your explanation. <laughs> and so, and I'll share with you my, our 1814. Because it's amazing that we have prophecies that are so, I'm sorry, 18, <laughs> 1814. Oh, I, I'm combining Jehovah's Adventists. Yeah. So I'd like to hear from you. I mean, I, I, will, I will share with you our 1844 prophecy. And so um, they'll come, and what are they going to share with you? That Daniel's dream, though initially it represents Babylon, in a greater kind of crazy nonsensical way, <laughs> it also represents Jerusalem. And what are you going to ask? Wow, can you, can you share with me how you get that? And when they take you to any other place in the Bible except for Daniel 4, what do you say? I'd like to see it in the context of Daniel 4, right? I mean, it's okay if you go to other places to show that a tree means something. That's fine. But now let's bring it back to Daniel 4. Where does the angel say that this tree means anything else than Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar? Okay? What will you also share with them in the process? What about the year? No, the year that Jerusalem was cut down. 607. You'll ask about that. 607, that's strange, because everywhere I've looked, I've seen 587. You'll then notice that uh, they apply the day for year principle, and you will get. Come on. It's, we're on the, do you realize that 
that we must be the only two groups in all the world that applies this law? <laughs> what is a law? <laughs> it's something that is to be applied at all times. Sometimes there may be an exception. They state this law and then make the law the exception. Isn't that something else? <laughs> and so after they explain to you, well, it's a law because, it, and I mean, let them explain it real good. So this is a law. Oh, yeah. See, can you, can't you read it right here? It's a law. Great. So how do you guys interpret? What, what do you guys think about the 1260? And then you have them explain the 1260. And you know what's going to happen? They are going to be thinking. They're going to realize the inconsistencies of their positions. You're not going to talk to them about what? The Godhead. Not yet, not then. You have to break them down first so that they realize that if 90% of their prophecy is error, then how can they claim to be the kingdom of God on earth? As they share with you their prophecies, you will in turn share with them your understanding of the prophecy. And what are you going to ask them? How can I give up this for what you're showing me? And you don't do this in a rude, condescending way. You just say, hey, you know, these numbers just, and they are historical. We can look in history and see this. But what you're giving me, there's not a whole lot of evidence or consistency in what you're telling me, right? And if, now here's one more thing. I'll share this with you very quickly. They said, well, tell me, how do you explain World War I? And I said to them, you know what? I said, do you believe that Israel as a nation, is a, you know, Israel is, they, they represent the people of God? And they said, of course not. Israel is spiritual. I said, okay. Um, do you remember what happened in 1948? Yeah. Israel became what? A nation again. Do you remember what all the Christians around the world were saying? <sighs> Prophecy has been fulfilled. Israel has become a nation. And they're like, yeah, but the Bible does not support that. So even if all these things happened in the world that seem to say that this prophecy was fulfilled, we know that that's not true. <laughs> Good thinking. <laughs> so that would also mean, just think about it, that might also mean that just because World War I broke out in 1914 does not necessarily mean that your prophecy was fulfilled. We must base our prophecy and its fulfillment on the word of God. Amen? Amen? We don't base it on circumstantial evidence or coincidences. We base it off of solid history and off of a solid interpretation of the prophecy itself. Does that make sense? Okay, so beloved, what we've just done is we have, by God's grace, equipped you as soldiers not to win but to what? 
but to win. Amen? Did you understand this? Was it clear? How many of you are looking forward to studying with a Jehovah's Witness? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us the very tools we need not to win arguments, but to win souls. Father, I honestly and sincerely believe that every Jehovah's Witness was supposed to be a Seventh-day Adventist. Their zeal is unmatched. Lord, we know that you have sincere people that are part of this system. Lord, help us to open their eyes that they too may come out of Babylon and into the remnant church of Jesus Christ. In your precious name we pray. Amen. This message was recorded and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com Thank you and God bless.